0: Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark.
1: Rolled up to my Chevrolet. I climbed down up inside.
2: Welcome back, everybody. My name is Mark Salem. Sitting next to me is my wife, Renee. We've been in the auto repair business since 1979, and we're both just about 29 years old. So if you have a car-related question or a problem, then uh, I just turned your mic on. Okay. And you can give us a call, 602-508-0960. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Strictly Diesel Service and Repair. It's a BBB AAA... Or a-plus shop, I should say, staffed by some of the very best diesel techs in the business. They're dedicated to providing the best service possible while getting the job done right the first time, and as well as diagnosing it right, then fixing it right. At Strictly Diesel Service and Repair, they're hard diesel service, repair, and parts people. They do foreign and domestic-like diesel trucks. They're at I-17 and... I-17 in Pinnacle Peak Road in North Phoenix. They're open Monday through Friday, eight to five, and they also sell parts online, 24 hours a day. So if you want to shop for some diesel parts, then you can go to StrictlyDieselProbably.com and uh, and look at some of the stuff that they have. So a good place if you're in North Phoenix that's got it and you got a diesel. If you're looking for a diesel shop, then Strictly Diesel would certainly be a good one. Jack, good morning to you. How can I help you?
1: Hey, anyway, Mark, I've got a 13-suburban, 170,000 miles on it, um, the 5.3, and I've got two cylinders that are misfiring, showed several hundred misfires. One of them's number six, and I forget which the other one is.
2: Okay. Well, um, the, it, the process that we use is pretty universally accepted. Um, okay. We're going to go ahead and look at those cylinders with an oscilloscope we're going to do an emissions test we're going to look for vacuum leaks in and around the cylinders that are coating on us but most of the time we're going to sw- now this has um uh coil over ignition so it has coil right. and it has a boot and a spark plug right. so we're going to transfer that entire assembly to a different cylinder so if let's pretend that six is you know, you've got a number six cylinder. So we're going to take six spark plug, boot, and coil and move it to four and move four to six. We're going to clear the code and go drive it. The question then becomes is did the problem move or not? The other day, somebody came in with a code. They had put an $800 injector in their diesel, and they still had the code. And so this shop had said it's just an injector. Let's put a code in And they spent 800 bucks. Wow. We, we did a cylinder contribution test, and, and certainly the cylinder was dead. So we took the injector out, and we looked in with a camera, and it's got a hole the size of my thumb in the top of the piston. Wow! So the injector had nothing to do with the problem. And yep. it was an $800 waste of time. Yep. In, in your particular case, here's what's kind of nifty. If you pull four and six coil, a boot, and spark plug out, you can look at the two spark plugs and compare the burn pattern. But you can also look at the boot. The boot, if it has any white spots with a black hole in the middle of it, spark has been jumping through that boot. So oh, inspect right. the yeah. boots really good. Now, if you do have a boot that's got a white spot on it to where spark's been coming out, go ahead and move the coils anyway because more than likely the problem will follow the coil right. and the boot. So from a home perspective, that's how I would handle it. Now, during this period of time, leave number one cylinder alone. Okay? The, the computer gets all of its information, and it starts counting at, at number one cylinder. We don't want to mess with number one. Okay. So just leave. Don't switch six to one or four to one or anything like that. Just just stay away from one. So it, you got plenty of room in there to, to move spark plugs around and coils around. Okay?
3: Right.
2: Yep. All right. Good Thank luck you. to you. Thank you, you. You bet. Bye-bye. All right. I, I have a couple of, of things. Um, I got a letter from Ron. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Ron didn't leave me any contact information. Yeah. I wish you would anonymous. Yeah. yeah, I was an anonymous. And, uh, basically what he said was, is that he had had a tough time with one of my shops and he wasn't happy about it at all. And the last thing I remember, and I, unfortunately I left it, uh at the office. Mm-hmm. So the last sentence was the one that kind of, I wasn't mad at him, but it kind of hurt me. He says, you know, your shops aren't as great as you purport them to be. Right. Okay. So, um, This is kind of a touchy situation. The shop he's talking about, we kicked off.
4: Just not that long ago. Right. And unfortunately, his issue had happened over a year ago, and he had stewed about it all this time, and he never said anything. And that would have maybe helped the second customer that, you know, I don't know.
2: He took his car in, and first of all, it's a mechanical shop that wanted to turn to paint and body. And that was a bad deal, and I learned a very important lesson. I'm never going to let that happen again. Right. Well, he took his car in, and I guess he had a fender. And they charged him 11 hours to paint the fender. Is that a fair representation of it?
4: that's what it was, And he felt
2: that they had ripped him off, and he didn't like the whole situation. And this was a year ago, and that was the first sentence. He says, I've been stewing about this for a year. Mm -hmm. I wish you would have told me a year ago he was unhappy. Right. I wish you would have done that. That would have started the process. Now, in reality, the problem we kicked him off for was a paint and body issue. Mm -hmm. And that thing started six or seven months ago. Right. And it didn't take us long to figure out we had a big problem so the shop does a terrible job on a wreck that's paid for by the insurance company it goes to another shop and the first the second shop says that this car is just a miserable failure and a bunch of things it goes in front and the and the customer office offers to settle to one of our shops and he declines mm-hmm. so the customer files a nice complaint at the better business bureau exactly like our rules say the customer goes to the auto that complaint goes to the auto advisory committee and it's my understanding that the Auto Advisory Committee unanimously said to the shop, you need to give them all their money back. Mm-hmm. Now, the shop hasn't said whether they're going to give them the money back or not, but here's my promise to you folks out there in Radio Land: This might be the first time somebody's taken advantage of my $5,000 promise. My promise is, is if you go through the process I've described, and I'm not loading the process on my end. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. So you go through the process, as I describe it, a nice complaint, goes through the Better Business Bureau Auto Advisory Committee where all the experts are seated. It's a committee I created, but I haven't been there for 10 years. Right. So the, th- th- it goes there. If the shop is told to make a refund or fix your car and the shop refuses, I will. Now here's the deal. This is $5,500 in my my promise is 5000
0: mm-hmm. You
2: and I have talked about this. Right. This is the first time it's ever happened. Yeah. We're going to do the whole 5500 Right. That doesn't mean if you have a $10,000 bill, we're going to jump from 5000 to $10,000. do thousand. do not misunderstand. But I think at the appropriate time, if this doesn't get settled in the very near future, and once we get a firm a denial or no from the shop, we've already put him on suspension, haven't we?
4: Yes. Yeah, he's not on the list anymore. And, and fortunately, he did... Um, you know, mechanical work for a long time, and we never had issues with that. But right. then when he delved into this paint and body, that's where we seem to have gotten into trouble, and he's, you know, not willing to. He's he not on not our list anymore, no. and
2: really and truly, he's not going to be on our list again. Right. I mean, there's nothing he can do to make up for the last six months of grief I've had right. with respect to this this claim on this insurance car. And what really made this double tough is the customer was such a nice gentleman about the whole thing. He never raised his voice. He never called anybody names. Mm-hmm. He stuck with them, and people made suggestions. Try this. Try that. You should talk to him and do this. He, he went along with all the advice people gave him. He went along with giving the shop two or three opportunities opportunities to fix it i mean he did everything yeah
4: he was really nice about the whole thing he didn't have to be but he was so so anyway ron
2: um i'm sorry you
4: had a problem
2: uh with mike's uh a year ago mm-hmm. i wish you would have told me about that um i i would have got involved and i would have done my best to um to look at this from a neutral point of view i could say to you know that 11 hours is fair i could have said to you no it's not fair um, I could have said to you, Mike realizes it's wrong, and as a result of that, he's willing to give you this this discount or this refund. I, I could have been involved, and and there's 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 four ways these can go. It's a yes, no, it's a maybe, or middle ground. So I mean, there's 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 things that that I can help you with. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Ron. Um, I'm sorry that you had a problem. I, I think it's more your fault than my fault that you sat on this for a year and you let it stew. But I want to tell you that you're wrong when you say that some of my shops aren't as good as I purport them to be. They're better than what I tell you they are. And it didn't take my family and me, didn't take us long to figure our butts was in big trouble um, over this last issue. And we were involved in this at the very beginning. So for the rest of you, um, I'm washing some dirty laundry in front of you. But we've kicked three shops off of our list. This is the third mm-hmm. and most all the information is on our website. So right. If you want to go look at it, you can.
4: Yeah. So that's kind of why it's important to look at the website every now and then, because things are moving kind of in the automotive world too. We had, you know, great body shop bias that just was bought out by a big corporation or whatever. And so we had to take them off the list just because the we management do chains. has changed, yep. changed and we don't do chains and, and, um, we so. had
2: IMM. Dropped off of our list. He's Mm -hmm. been on our list since Jesus was a baby. Mm -hmm. IMM was a Fiat, Toyota, uh, import, Volvo, uh, Alfa Romeo, and great shop. Yeah. and he called me and David told me I'm selling, but he sold to his head technician. Mm-hmm. So I've talked to his head, head technician. I say, we got a rule that five-year management, he mm-hmm. says, I'll be back to see you in five years. Yeah. So we had to remove IMM from our list. But in reality, personally, I'm going to still recommend them. Right. But they're not on my list and they're not covered by the $5,000 mm-hmm. um, a guarantee because he doesn't have five years. Right. So yeah. he's close enough to our shop. We've always referred to. Those cars that he's really good at, to him. Yeah. So personally, but probably per-
4: nothing's changed, but right. uh, But the owner actually. And so. then there
2: was so um, Envision Auto Body sold, mm-hmm. so they dropped off our list, and we loved them. Yeah, we loved two them.
4: locations, and they were both great. And so Envision's gone,
2: IMM's gone, and then Mike's is gone. Mm-hmm. So all of that's gone, but only one for disciplinary reasons. The other two were sold, or or something like that. Right. So anyway, that's uh, kind of what happens with that kind of stuff. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, about a, a, uh, a customer who took his own parts into the shop and the fiasco that occurred after that. But if you have a comment, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And
4: was my it name, Dave? Dave. Dave, um, we'll oh. get to you like right after the break.
2: Right after the break. Dave, yeah. you'll be my first caller. Thank you very much. We'll be right back.
3: Michael Medved doesn't understand why race has to come into everything.
5: I don't know what it is Frederica Wilson, the Congress lady from Florida, is talking about.
6: Why is empty barrel a racist term?
5: The term empty barrel
3: was originally invoked by William Shakespeare. He wrote that an empty vessel makes the loudest sound. There has been too much noise and too little truth on this whole issue, it seems to me. The Michael Medved Show, weekdays at 1, on Intelligent Talk 960,
6: The Patriot.
5: What makes a holiday card unforgettable? Personality. And no one makes it easier or more affordable to create a holiday card full of personality than Vistaprint. Right now, get 60% off all custom holiday cards. That means 30 cards start at less than $12. With hundreds of stunning designs, your personality will shine through with every card you send. Just go to Vistaprint.com today and enter the promo code RADIO to get 60% off all custom holiday cards. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code RADIO.
6: So, Justin, I was playing that video game, Forest Brigade, and it was pretty cool. I was running down this, like, digital path, and I met this digital frog, who was all like... Then I went playing in this virtual stream where this water... It looked almost real. It was this whole electronic forest world. So what did you do? Well, my parents took me to the forest, the real forest. I was running down this... Well, it was an actual path. Then I saw this real-life frog. It was all, like ribbit and i saw an owl too then i played in this amazing stream with water around my ankles like wet water then me and my sister and my parents sat around a campfire and told cool stories all night long oh that's a uh, pretty cool too
7: this weekend unplug getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family to find the forest nearest you go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ed Council.
5: Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie?
6: Is that a new plumbing manual?
5: Oh, um, yeah, (laughs) yeah, honey.
1: We really need to get some new books.
5: Right. Um. Do, do you want me to stop?
1: Nah, I kind of want to
2: know how it ends.
5: Okay. Tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Well, welcome
2: back, everybody. 20 minutes after the hour, 11 o'clock. Mark and Renee Salem here at your service, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And let's do what we promised. Dave, you're first. How can we help you today?
3: Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Hi. Um, bought my wife a 2014 Mustang uh, two years ago. It's got 46,500 miles on it, and she just recently told me the heater doesn't work. Um, Now, my wife weighs about 105 pounds, and she gets cold easy, and when mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. (laughs) Oh, your house is
2: like mine, and everybody, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. The the joys of marriage. So, um, I've checked, all I know to check, The, the coolant level is full and clean, Um, All the fans work, but all we get out of the heater is cold air.
2: Okay. You know where the two heater hoses come from the motor and go through the firewall? Yes. Okay. We need to make sure both of those are hot. So go drive it, hop on the freeway for 10 minutes, you know, come back home or pull off to the side of the road someplace safe, pop the hood and grab a hold of both those hoses. Now, if both hoses are hot, we got water flowing through that heater core. So at that point, we've probably got some blend door problem because the blend door's stuck and, it's, and the blend door, you know, swings left for cold air and swings right for hot air in a simplistic way. So it, 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 that's what we need to find out first is, is do we have water running through the heater core? Now, if you've got one one line hot and the other line's cold, then clearly we don't have circulation. Then the question is, is Why? So at that point, we have to, a lot of times we'll pull the two lines off the heater core and we'll gently pass, you know, water through it both ways. And sometimes it's just dirty and plugged up. And so you flush it out the best you can. That only happens about 20% of the time. 80% of the time, you can't do anything with it and you have to go dig it out of the dashboard, which is behind the glove box. And that's a big, big ticket item.
3: I'm so, not going to dashboard this
2: car apart myself yeah mm-hmm. but but if it's now that's assuming that one's hot and one's cold the second thing is, is if they're both hot then blend door is still underneath the dash but it's a piece of cake I want you to picture the letter Y okay and the left arm of the Y is cold and the right arm of the Y is hot. But where, the two, where they all intersect, where the two arms and the stand intersects, there's a door there. So if the door swings to the right, it blocks off hot air and gives you cold air. And if the door swings to the left, it shuts off the cold air and gives you hot air. That's what a blend door is all about. So now a blend door can be a vacuum operated or an electrical motor. And so you have to go in there and make sure you have power and ground to the electric motor and make sure that the control head is telling the blend door to move, then or sending vacuum to move it or default it, and then you have to check the operation of it. Really and truly on a 1 to 10 scale. This is an 8, but it's not the most difficult thing in the world, and any good technician won't have any problem diagnosing this. Okay. All right. Good luck to you, buddy. Uh, thank you. You betcha. Um, let me tell you real quick um, about a, a customer who took in uh, two front shock absorbers to one of my shops.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, we don't install customer parts, but our customers who have been with us, for instance, if they have a five-digit number, customer number, they're new. They're newer. We're at thirty-three thousand. But if they're
4: Wait, a five-digit, they're older.
2: Oh, uh, they're older. Okay. They're, no. A five-digit, they're a newer oh, oh, customer. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay, I'm but sorry, I'm, the four-digit yes. customers, the three-digit customers, and, of course, the two-digit customers have been around a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We might stretch that rule a little bit because Grandma Moses lives in Ahwatukee, and son-in-law sends her a set of shock absorbers. We're going to put the shocks on for Grandma Moses if she has a two- or three- or four-digit customer number. Okay, We're going to not going to make a habit of, habit of it. But anyway, the shop puts on the front shocks. And there's a noise. no one knows if the nose was still there, but it is now and no one knows if the shop gave them the no- the noise or in the installation of the shocks or not so we have all of these questions so we agree that we're going to look at it so we found a, a loose connection we tightened it up which made the noise better mm-hmm. but it didn't fix the noise so we got an email the other day and finally the customer in the shop decided that let's replace the the side the front strut that one of the two but the front that's affected by the noise we mm-hmm. all agree it's in the right front yeah so they sent the shock back and the manufacturer replaced it, and it was one of those uh, auto parts store on the internet. Mm-hmm. They put it on; the, the problem was fixed. Right?
4: Yeah, I think Eddie thought it was in that shock. So, um...
2: but he also found a bad connection, right. or a He'd, loose connection, a loose
4: nut or something. Yeah. yeah. And so. so,
2: so we made it better, but we didn't charge because we were doing it on behalf of one of our shops. Mm-hmm. So, the 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 I, what's the moral of this story? The moral of the story is: is he had to pay to have that shock absorber replaced twice right because the shop didn't cause the problem the shock absorber was defective and under the circumstances had the shop sold those shock absorbers the shop would have um, absorbed all the cost of the diagnosis and the warranty of the shock
0: right
2: the the replacement of the shock and the realignment wiped out that customer's profit in a heartbeat yeah so that's kind of what you need to think about because your part doesn't have a warranty and so, if they install this, you know, $180 alternator that takes, uh, you know, $96 to replace, and if it doesn't work, then you're going to pay the $96 again, or, or not? Yeah.
4: Or, you know, you then they think that we did it, and we think that it's their bad part, and so it gets into a bad thing, and so that's why we've decided it's just not worth it to install customers' parts.
2: Well, and, and there's a lot of reasons we've yeah. decided. Yeah, First I of mean, all, that's... it's a very small portion. It's single-digit customers we have out of 33,000 that even care about that kind of right. stuff. Yeah. The second part problem is is that we've been burned. We tried to hold off as long as we could, right. but it's been a, a, a continuing problem, and you're right. What happens is is we have to fix the problem to prove that it wasn't our installation Mm -hmm. we have to diagnose it for free and then in this case the shop didn't have to pay for the take it off and put it back on the second time because the shock did fix the problem yeah so the shop in and of itself along with our help proved that it was the shock mm-hmm. and so the customer i think then we got a nice letter from the customer yeah. thanking yeah, us for all of our ready. intervention and stuff and and he was a great guy by the way he didn't yell at us he didn't call us names <laughs> um he was very accommodating he was a good guy yeah so we were all trying to help him but that's the problem with bringing your own parts in mm-hmm. all righty jerry good morning to you how can i help you
8: yeah this is jerry yes sir uh How are you doing this morning? Good. I I just want to tell you, this is my Saturday morning listening to your show.
0: Thank you. (laughs) I'm a retired
8: mechanic, but I've been out it for 20 years now, and I've had a couple people look for places to go, and I'm... Heard about your shop when I first moved here about thirty years ago, and always had how respect for. It. So I sent people your way. Figure you're one of the more reliable shops around town. So thank
2: you, thank you for that. Thank anyway, you. My and issue... wait, a minute, wait a minute, Jerry. Tell him that you aren't my brother and that we've never met, and you're not doing this for money. Okay? <laughs> okay.
8: Yeah, I'm not your brother. I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm an outer counter. <laughs> okay. I come from the Midwest. Alrighty. In fact, there's a gal I used to work up. At. And place up Nissan, and one of the gals was worked there, came to work for you for a while as your writer, but I don't know if you still. Uh, can't remember her name. Seems like it's Barbara. I can't remember. It's been a while.
2: Um, uh, anyway, I, okay.
8: I have a two thousand six Buick Rainier, four point two L six gas guzzler. Okay. <laughs> and anyway, all of a sudden, this, that's the weather cooled down, started getting a rough idle, and the more you load the engine, the worse it gets. I always thought it was kind of felt like a lean idle, but that it, that. Uh-huh. It's, not a, it's not a miss. It runs fine. It doesn't uh, cut out or miss or anything. But uh,
2: How many miles are on it?
8: About around 70.
2: Okay. Okay. I'm up against a break. You stay right there. Okay. And um, I've got a couple of ideas. I want you to start thinking idle air control motor. I want you to start thinking cleaning up the throttle blades. And I want you to uh, maybe stop by an auto parts store and have them see if there's any codes. But there's not going to be any codes if you don't have a check engine light on. So if you don't have a check engine light, you can save that step. But um, start thinking about throttle blade cleanup. Start thinking about idle air control motor cleanup. Not normally for 70,000 miles we'd see that, but this is 11 years old. Last but not least, I want you to think about this. I'm quite sure at one time or another you decarbonized an engine like this and you might want to do that again. Okay. All right. And so we're going to talk about it and we're going to do that in, you know, another 2 or 3 minutes. So just hang on and we'll do it. And George, you stay there too cuz you're going to be right after Jerry. Anybody else 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. We're going to be here till noon, so we've got plenty of time to take your call. If you just give us a call, 602 602- Five zero eight zero nine sixty. My name's Mark Salem. Renee Salem, my wife of forty-four years, is sitting here next to me. I married her when she was ten, and, uh, and thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm being nice. We'll be back. Mm-hmm.
8: Arizona is rolling out the Voluntary Travel ID, which complies with the Federal Real ID Act. You'll need it for air travel and to access federal and military facilities. But there's no rush to get one. Your current driver license or ID is good until October 1st, 2020. The cost is $25, and it's valid for eight years. To learn how to get your Voluntary Travel ID and the documents you'll need, visit azdot.gov travelid. Sponsored by ADOT in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station.
5: You're never too old, too wacky, too wild to pick up a book and read with a child. This is Andrew Morrill, president of the Arizona Education Association. Reading to your child now can spark a lifetime of reading and learning. Parents, we know you're tired at the end of a long day, but by taking just a few minutes to read with your child, you'll be setting them on a path towards reading and learning on their own. And studies show students who read and are read too better in school and in life so have books that interest your child around your home if your child enjoys sports have books about sports if your child enjoys ballet have books about dancing with parents and teachers working together every child in arizona can learn to read and reading may be the most important thing they'll ever learn
0: a message from the arizona education association This is the sound of salmonella gyrating on your undercooked chicken. And it looks like mom might be taking it out a little early. Don't let salmonella get funky with your chicken. On average, one in six Americans will get a foodborne illness this year. So use a thermometer to cook each type of meat to the right temperature. Keep your family safe at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
6: Well, welcome back, everybody.
2: My name is Mark Salem. Renee's sitting here next to me, and we're answering your calls and questions real quick. Let me just tell you quickly about Action Auto. He's up on Deer Valley and I-17, northwest corner. Tom owns it. I've I've known Tom since the late 70s and early 80s. I've already talked to one uh, caller this show about maybe visiting Tom, and I want to tell you, if you live in the North Phoenix or Deer Valley area, Tom is a great shop. He's honest. He's dependable. They're really good at the three things that are important to you. Uh, symptom analysis, diagnosis, and then repair. And actually, there's four. And the, the repair is, after the repair is verifying that what you went to fix is now fixed. That's important. That's the mark of a good shop. Symptom analysis, that means getting them symptoms from the customer. Then diagnosing the problem, repairing it, then verifying the problem, the vibration, the noise is gone and fixed. So Tom is a really good guy, I-17 and Bell, northwest corner of I-17. I'm sorry, I-17 and Deer Valley. That's where he's at. All righty, let's go back to Jerry real quick. Jerry?
8: Yeah. I'm
2: thinking that that um, that would be the place I would start. um I would I would be interested in tomorrow morning, on a Sunday morning, if Jerry were at an on-ramp at the local freeway close to where he lives and he's looking around and there's nobody behind him, nobody in front of him, and there's no highway patrolman sitting at the end of the ramp, that he throttles that baby up as hard as he can and he goes to the end of the ramp and he looks in his rearview mirror and he looks to see if he laid down a, a James Bond uh, kind of cloud uh, of, <laughs> of 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 carbon. And then he gets off at the next exit, and he does the same thing two or three times until there is no carbon. Then he finds out that there is a substantial quality increase with respect to the idle. And then at that point, I'd clean the throttle blades and pull the idle air control motor out and clean it, and I think that would probably take care of you.
8: Uh, the first thing I did was clean the throttle blade, okay. and it seemed like it got a little better, but... But in my mind I'm thinking when I had that off I don't think that blade was snapping shut tight I thought it had to kind of relax a little bit I don't know.
2: Okay. Well, and, and let me tell you there are we have to synchronize three things. We have to it's called re- resetting minimum minimum idle authority where we we have a TPS value yeah. and we have an RPM and we have the idle air control motor completely out of the circuit. So, we're going to we're going to you know set throttle blade angle with the TBS. Then we're going to set uh, an, an idle RPM, or we get an, expect an idle RPM, and then we shut it off and put the idle air control motor in and set it all up that way. That might be something that you can read about, but as a former technician, I'm quite sure if you can just read the TPS value, you can pull that
8: off. Okay. All
2: righty?
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Well, and good the, luck to you. And, and by the way, thank you for having Faith to uh, to refer us. Thank you very yeah. much for that.
8: Okay. Thanks thank for you for
2: All righty. And George, you're up next. George, how can I help you?
3: I've got a, uh, Toyota I'm trying to put lug bolts on. Okay. Um, the, uh, they, they're, they're hung up pretty tight. Um, they don't want to come, they don't want to come back through the hole. Um, apparently the hole is 200 uh, smaller than the head of the, uh, lug nut that I ordered that was supposed to be the one to go to the vehicle. Uh, is that unusual? And if not, should I put some kind of lubricant or something? What is, uh, it's tough.
2: No two two hundred. You said two hundred thousands.
3: Two. Yeah, it's actually uh, the the hole is point uh, five four, and the bolt is point five six.
2: Okay, why not just go take those same calipers and go check the rest of the studs? Because I think you got the wrong studs.
3: Well, that's what I'm thinking too.
2: Yeah, is just it, go it's, measure it's, the other ones.
3: Well, I did. I did measure the other ones. The other ones that were in there um, were like one hundredth off. Okay. And these are new ones, are like two, and so I don't know. Is that is that going to fold back enough to pull that through, or should I get some new bolts?
2: No, I, I if if, and you're talking about the threaded studs, yes.
3: Yeah, well, the uh, threaded part's fine. It's that little head, you know, where it's crimped at the end. Yes, and then and that part's got to come through that metal. Um, that's s- where it's hanging up.
2: Okay, the splined area. You've got splines yeah. on the back of them, and you're trying to bring them all the way through. Are you trying to tighten them up and sucking that stud through the hub?
3: That's that's what I'm doing. I put, a like, a washer in there, okay. and then I take uh, the new lug nut with the new bolt and tighten it up, and it okay. will not come through.
2: Okay. Um, is, have you got just one that won't come through, or have you got oh, any none. of them that are, that, that are okay?
3: They're all the same. Okay. I, I, I had two break off. When I took them off to change a tire, okay. and they're just old, rusted, and stuff, and so I just went ahead and got ten new ones. I was going to do the whole front. All right, um, and I've just never run into this before. All
2: right, now is it two wheel drive or four wheel drive?
3: It's a front wheel drive.
2: Okay, two. can you take the hub off?
3: Um, oh gosh, yeah, I looked that up. Okay, um, that was going to look. I was going to take the hub off and pound them through
2: and you pound them through or press them through yes
3: yeah and and uh it's it's quite a job on this little toyota yeah apparently to to take that hub off
2: okay You, you you know there's no easy way the way you're doing it is you know isn't the right way so you you always run the risk of stretching out the stud by trying to pull the head up to the back of the hub you always run run that risk. I know for my guys, I won't let them do that. Now, sometimes if it's four hours to pull the hub, then we'll use a little heat. We'll lose, use a little grease. Um, we'll we'll put an air hammer. Behind it where the head is going to match up with the stud, or the hub, I should say, and we'll push it and pull it at the same time. But then it's going to have to have that nut go on there finger tight all the way on and all the way off, because if it doesn't go all the way on and all the way off, you stretch the threads and you're back to where you started. There is some of the guys that will take the spline part and... um, they'll just run a file around them and knock off 5 or 10 thousandths on on the top and the bottom, which equals, you know, 10 thousandths on the top and the bottom equals 20 thousandths. And uh, and they'll get them in there. Some of the other guys, the old-timers are going to tell you to put them in the best you can, tighten them up the best you can, go drive it, make lots of hard lefts and hard rights, and they'll pull through themselves.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: All right, that, But I'm not telling you to do that, but there's some old, gray guys, buddies of mine that have done it that way.
3: I'm not, I'm not holding you to any of this. Okay. I'm just trying to get some ideas. And you've right. given me a couple of ideas, so I appreciate it.
2: All right. Thank you very much. And and Lee and Bruce and Chris, you stay right there. i got to take a break. We'll be back in three and a half minutes. We'll be right back. We all
0: lead busy lives at work at school at play. But when disaster strikes, the safety of our loved ones is all-consuming. Create a family communications plan today and gain peace of mind in knowing how to reach your loved ones when it matters most.
4: Hi, I'm Representative Rosemary Reed. Do you know how to reach your loved ones in case of an emergency? Do you have a plan? I urge you to be disaster aware and take action to prepare. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
5: When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. 43 minutes after the hour, 11 o'clock. Let me tell you about a really good shop. Kurt's Automotive is up at I-17 in Bell. Folks, I can't tell you how many times that uh, I've had a customer call me and tell me how happy they were with Kurt. There's Kurt and his wife, and then there's Jeff and Eric. And Kurt and Jeff and Eric are all master technicians. And it's it's pretty uncommon to find three guys out of a five or six-bay shop that are actually master technicians. Um, But they're really, really good. And I remember um, one of the big times that Kurt was a hero was the lady had been given three estimates for an engine repair, and uh, Kurt replaced the oil pressure switch and fixed the symptom that the others said that the lady needed an engine. And obviously the $60, 70 that he charged her versus the three, four, five, six thousand dollars 6000 that she had been bid by other people made her a lifetime customer. So if you live anywhere near I-17 and Bell and you don't have a shop, may I suggest you try Kurt's northeast corner of I-17 and Bell. Lee, you're up next. How can I help you?
3: I have an 01 uh, Mercedes that... Um the air conditioning used to be ice cold, and all of a sudden it's cooled off. Not a pickup truck, not a Chevy, a yeah. Mercedes.
2: Well, when was the last time it was serviced, or do you know?
3: I really don't know.
2: Okay. What part of town do you live in?
3: I'm up uh, in Sun City.
2: Okay. I would go to Thunderbird Auto at 88th and t- Thunderbird. Unless you have a shop already, go to the shop no. or go to th- Tom at Thunderbird and 88th Avenue. Tell him that you haven't had it serviced in recent time, and and here's what I think he's going to do. This is what I say to my customers. It's $125 for the service. What I'm going to do is I'm going to suck all your Freon out, and I'm going to weigh it. I'm going to remove the water, and I'm going to remove any contaminants. I'm going to filter the heck out of it. Now, let's pretend that your car holds 30 ounces, and I pull out 19. Well, now I know what the problem is. So I'm going to put your 19 back in and not charge you for it. And I'm going to add 11 to it. And we're going to be back to brand new. We've never had a dipstick for the Freon level until the last two or three years. And most of us have this equipment. Now, you're going to pay 120 uh, at my shop. I don't know about Tom's, but you're going to pay it. I'm giving you some pricing parameters 125 plus 11 ounces of Freon and sales tax. That's what you're going to pay at my shop. I'm quite sure most everybody is $3 up, $3 down from me. So that's what I would do. Okay?
3: What is the downside free on that, Mark?
2: Well, it depends on what you have. Do you know if it's 12 or 134 I think it's a $134. Okay. And, and I... I you know I don't know the I can't remember I either. can't either I, I
4: don't know it's I, two twenty five comes to mind but I'm not positive on and, that and
2: I'm thinking the same thing I'm think yeah. we're going to be somewhere in the infinity of a dollar fifty to three dollars but we have oh, okay. we have three three different freons and and I only know the expensive one is almost ten dollars mm-hmm. an ounce yeah so uh, the other ones are are going to be I'm pretty sure dollar fifty to three dollars is yeah, going to be the range righty?
3: Uh, now quick uh, it's eighty eight. And Thunderbird, and the name of the place
2: is? Thunderbird Auto.
3: Thunderbird Auto. Okay. Yeah. Thank
2: you. All righty. Good luck. Thank you very much. Bruce, you're up next. How can I help you?
1: Yes, yeah, sir. I have a 2001 Pathfinder and um, a two-wheel drive with with pretty new tires. I mean, you know, maybe a year or something like that. Um, and it's been uh, – it starts to feel like it's kind of going out of control when I get around. You know, it feels like it's going to roll. I mean, it's kind of a back-and-forth rolling kind of motion. I took it in one shop, and they actually, they said, yeah, they could feel it, too. And when they took off the front left wheel, you know, there's a nut that holds, I guess, the bearing. Uh It was kind of loose, and they tightened it back up. And that seemed to kind of help a little bit, but now it's, it's, uh, you know, I I haven't taken it back. I haven't, you know, I will think it came loose that quickly. It was only like a couple weeks ago. But it feels pretty scary.
2: Okay, here's what I want you to do, Okay. I want, Can you get some help? Can you get somebody to help you for five or ten minutes? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. You're going to trust this person because you're going to start the car but put the emergency brake on, okay? Uh-huh. And you're going to crawl underneath the front of this pathfinder, and you're going to have the person put their hand at, t- at 12 o'clock on the steering wheel, and they're going to go about three inches to the left, then back to center, three inches to the right, and back to center. They're going to do that until you tell them to stop. You crawl underneath the front of that car, and you put your right hand, you're on your stomach, you put your right hand on the driver's side wheel, and you watch the passenger side wheel, and I'll bet they don't move in complete synchronization. Okay. And then you're going to follow... From the steering box to the pitman arm, the pitman arm to the center link, the center link to the one-tie rod, the, tie, what, the, the center link to the other-tie rod, you're going to follow the linkage mm-hmm. all the way from the wheel to the steering box on both sides, and you'll be able to see the play you're describing. Okay. And okay. I and you know what? If the other guys did a good job and you felt comfortable with them tightening up the nut and they did make progress, I think you should repatronize them is my personal okay. opinion. Okay. okay.
1: All right. Yeah. All right.
2: Thank you very much, Bruce. Thank you very much. a great question, by the way. Chris, Chris, you're up next. How can I help you?
1: Uh, thanks for making my call. I have a 2003 Civic that I've had since the beginning. Um, recently, I uh, had a check engine light on, and it started to have difficulty starting. Um, I'd be going about 40 miles an hour, and I would accelerate, and it would hesitate really, really bad. And so check checked engine light, and it was a camp position center. I replaced that yesterday. I started it up again, and the engine light's back on. It's doing the exact same thing.
2: Okay. So, well, the code doesn't mean that. The, what did you replace? The cam position sensor. Okay. No, the, the code doesn't mean that the cam position sensor is bad. The code means that the problem is in Ohio, and you have to go find the problem. It, it's saying, um, I, I see a problem with the timing, and I think it's the cam sensor, but um, there we have to synchronize the cam sensor with the crank sensor. And most sure. of the time that synchronization is, is messed up, and it's because the harmonic balancer is slipping, or it's good because one of the sensors has come loose, or because something shorted, or one of the sensors aspirated oil. There's all kinds of problems. But replacing the part is never a good idea. because sure. uh, and, and let me give you an example. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of oxygen sensor codes, O2 codes, my shop replaces the O2 sensor less, less than 20% of the time. Okay. So we have, I'll tell you, plugged fuel filters can cause an O2 sensor code. So, and you can have some kind of a knocking sensation. You can have a rocker assembly that can confuse the cam sensor. You're just going to need a little bit of help. That's all. Sure. Now, I think I would, you do if I were you, is I would find a shop and say to them, I would really like you to diagnose and call me with an estimate. And what is your diagnostic range? Most everybody's going to say between 75 and 150, somewhere around there. Okay. So, And then you say, okay, are you sure? But here's the risk. You say, are you sure? They say, yes, we're sure. You put the part on. It doesn't fix it. That's kind of ugly. I'm hoping that you'll look at the part and the labor to install it as insignificant and go ahead and have them fix it. Then you can hold their feet to the fire. Then you can okay. say, wait a minute, you said this is going to fix it. I didn't agree to, for you to guess with my money. So, and then it's okay for you to say it to them on the phone, this is a fix, not a guess, right? Because when people say that to my staff, we're not offended. We're proud to just raise our hand and say, no, 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 we're going to fix it. We promise we're going to fix it. That check engine light's not going to come back on, and if it does, it isn't going to be the same code. That's for sure. So that's the kind of, of conversation you and should have. And keep your old parts. And keep your old parts. That's exactly right. I want the old part put back in the box of the new one and put it on the passenger side floor of the car. And if it's oily, put some towels underneath it. But I want my old parts back. Because if it co- oh, the check engine light comes back on and you have the same coat, you can go back and say, you might want to put this one back on and let's start over again. Those sure. are options that you're going to have. I'm just preparing you for the worst kind of shop. I'm not preparing you for the good guys. Okay okay thank you thank you chris anthony you're up next how can i help you
1: uh good morning
2: good morning
1: uh what i have is a 90 dodge <clears throat> ram ram uh, v6 uh the non uh oh there's a high, high performance v6 it's not that i'd okay. have the regular one uh the uh, vehicle quit running a couple months ago i i did some uh, i wasn't gonna have the codes picked up but they want like 85 dollars on the codes and I just didn't want to do that. Uh, I
2: changed the TPS. No, that, wait, that wait, was, wait, 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 wait. Well, no, we're not going <laughs> to. You know, you're, you can talk to me about what you've changed. I need to ask you some questions. Oh, okay. Go All ahead. Right. It cranks over, but it doesn't catch? Uh, it doesn't? No, no. It, uh, there's fuel's not coming in on the the no, line. I'm not asking you. I'm not asking <laughs> you that. Okay. We. you got to work with me on this. Um, it cranks over, but it doesn't catch. Have you tried to squirt some carb spray or some brake spray into the mouth of the intake system? And if you're right and the fuel system is deficient, then the car will start and then die. That's exactly what happens when I use gas. Oh, that's a bad idea, but next time you use propane or something like that. Okay.
6: Okay, okay. at this
2: point, you don't have a pressure gauge, so you don't know that the uh, fuel system has or has not pressure because if you lose the trigger to the computer to tell them that the engine's running or wanting to run, the computer won't cycle the injectors, and you can have perfect fuel pressure, but we don't have injectors opening and closing. So you have to verify. Now, if you're right and you have a fuel problem, then pull a spark plug wire, stick your little finger inside that boot, have your wife crank the motor over, and when you yell and scream like a little girl, then you go, Mark was right, I have spark, but I'm missing fuel. Now, here's the deal. You can't, if we stop cycling the injectors, we also stop cycling the spark. So if you don't have spark and you don't and 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 you and you add fuel you supplement fuel you artificially inseminate the motor and it starts then there's a problem there because if it starts it has spark so if you start it and with given gas and it and it starts and dies certainly that suggests fuel pressure that's why I say you need a gauge to check the fuel pressure if you want to make a stab at it then replace the fuel pump that's probably inside the tank
1: Uh, I I did that this past January, so it's a brand-new fuel pump.
2: Okay. Well, then the only other thing it could be is the fuel pressure regulator, which is at the end of the rail. The fuel pressure under, under pressure goes forward. It goes through the rail, feeds all the injectors, and on the way out there's a return line that goes back to the tank. And so you, at the return line, there's a fuel pressure regulator there. It's supposed to shut and make fuel pressure. And when you throttle it up, um, and then it'll dump a little bit of the pressure because you don't need that much pressure. Another thing that you might want to do is check the fuel filter to make sure it's not plugged up. And another thing you want to do is you want to look at the uh, owner's manual and see if you have a relay for the fuel pump. And if you do it's probably going to be the same relay as the air conditioning relay, so I would swap the air conditioning into the fuel pump and I'd put the fuel pump into the air conditioning and see if that made a difference.
1: Well, I checked the relays and that it's not the uh, it's not the shutdown down reading I have a relay at the middle of the uh uh the uh, uh f- the front front panel there and, and- is, is that part of the air conditioning really, the one that sits right in the middle?
2: No, you have to look at your owner's manual. It has a picture of your fuse panel. I can't answer that question. But you have to look at your owner's manual because the owner's manual is going to show you the position of all the relays. And there's there's probably going to – I'm not talking about a shutdown relay. I'm talking about the fuel pump relay if it's got one. So if it's got one, swap it with the air conditioning. They're almost always universal. But i got to run, as you can tell by my voice. If you want to continue that conversation, Anthony, I'm happy. Mark at MarkSalem.com. Mark at MarkSalem.com. It's also important important that I can't fix your car over the radio and I can't walk you through step by step. I'll be happy to give you advice, but I just, I don't have that kind of time. Thompson's Auto Repair and Towing is in Mesa. They're on Main Street and Stapley. They're the only shop in Mesa that's passed the very strict requirements we have to be on Mark Salem's Best Car Repair Shops. Brian and Thelma own Thompson's Auto Repair. They're the second or maybe the third generation's under the Thompson name. They've been around for a very long time that dates back to the 60s, I believe. So if you're in Mesa and you don't have a repair shop, then perhaps stop by Thompson's Auto Repair just east of Stapley on the south side of Main Street, centrally located, and they are a really good shop. And you only need to meet Brian and Thelma to know why Mark Salem is so fond of those people running that shop. They are really, really good at what they do. So for, uh, here's your self-defense tip for the day. You look at shops, including mine and everybody else, and you say, what symptom do I have that suggests that what you say is wrong I need? So when they tell you you need lower control arm bushings, you say, what symptoms are you going to fix? And if they do, then you know you need to move on. On the other hand, if they say, come out and I'll show you, the bushing's missing and it's got a clunk and I can demonstrate the clunk, that's altogether different. So those are the important aspects of knowing about car repair. It's also a great thing to say to them, is this a guess or a fix? Because I don't want to guess with my money. So if you say it's a fix, then you did the diagnosis, you're gonna replace or adjust or clean the part and my symptom's gonna be fixed, yes? There's nothing wrong with saying that. I wouldn't say it as if you were a drill sergeant, but I would say it kind. And everything I tell you to do, my customers already do to me. And I implore them to do that to me and my staff. Is it a guess or a fix? That's an important question, especially when you're spending big bucks. Now, there is an opportunity for that to be a guess. Mrs. Jones, I can't get your stalling problem, but I do know that the pickup assembly in your little Dodge is a real problem. And there are seven different colors, and you have the color number one, and they're now down to seven colors. So I'd like to put an orange one in there, and the part and the labor is going to run you $110. But Mrs. Jones, this is a guess. I cannot duplicate your problem. This is an educated guess. I am not going to give you a refund if this doesn't fix your car. What do you want me to do? Your choices are this. Wait till it gets worse and easier to find or go with my educated guess. Or say no. Or say no. Those are your options. And that's a clean way to handle that. So what are my options? And when you have an intermittent problem you only have two options. guess. Or wait till it gets worse and easier mm-hmm. to find. Yeah. And that means wait till it dies on the side of the road <laughs> and doesn't restart, and then it's easy to figure out what's wrong with it. So my email address is mark at salemboysauto.com. Mark at Salem Boys Auto. You can also reach me at mark at marksalem.com and Salem is spelled like the cigarette. Thanks for spending Saturday with me. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back next Saturday at 9 o'clock for the Swap Shop show. And then 10 to noon, we're talking about cars. So we'll see you then. God bless you. Wear your seatbelt